Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be studying the Sunday readings for the Feast of Pentecost, the Mass during the day. The thing that is so important about all of this that we will see is about, it's talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit becoming active in our lives, which sometimes can be a pretty scary thing when you think about that giving your life over to God and the control of the Holy Spirit. So let's look first at the reading from the book of Acts, which is actually the recount of Pentecost Sunday, the first Pentecost Sunday. Uh, one of the things that, that we need to know about Pentecost is that it was a Jewish feast, and it uh, Pentecost is actually the word used by the Greek Jews. It was uh, by the 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 Greek Jews used it's penta, meaning fifty. It's Pentecost, which means fifty days after the feast of of Passover. Uh, it was one of the three great feasts of the Jewish religion at the time of Jesus. So there would be a lot of people in the city of Jerusalem at that time uh, trying to accomplish what needed to happen. Uh, I think that you will understand this a little bit better uh, if you think that it had it meant a lot to the Jews. It was also the feast where the Jews brought the first fruits into the uh temple to offer to God in obedience to the law of Moses. So it says when the time of Pentecost was fulfilled, and again, that fulfilled is the word that uh, is a Greek word that means to fill completely, to fill to overflowing. Uh, uh, and so when the time arrived, remember uh, in, in the Greek language, there are two words for time. Uh, one is kairos, which... Uh, means a, t a period of time uh, in, in the sense that we have here. And the other word is chronos, which means chronological time, like a time that would be measured uh, for uh, by a clock or a calendar. So this is talking about the time being fulfilled. So it's, it is the point in time in which this was supposed to happen. And it says they were on all all in one place together. Now, why were they there? They were there for two reasons. Number one was for fear of the Jews, that they would not uh, experience the same things that Jesus did. Uh, and the other is that Jesus told them to be there and wait for the Holy Spirit. And it's a suddenly, so it's, it was an unexpected thing, uh, that there came into the room uh, suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind and it filled the entire house where they were. So let's talk about that a little bit because it's important that we understand this, that this wind, and if you remember in, uh, is in uh, first, uh, first Kings chapter, I think it's 19, uh, when Elijah uh, was at, on the mountain uh, with uh, waiting for God, uh, he was in the cave, and it says that there was a mighty storm, and there was an earthquake, and there was fire, and God finally came to him and spoke to him in a gentle breeze. So what what we know there is that God comes to us, speaks gently. But when you look at that experience and the experience that you see among the Jews of the Old Testament, that a strong wind, even at uh, Mount Sinai uh, when Moses was there, the strong wind and the strong and even at the crossing of the Red Sea, there was a strong wind. It's a, it's a symbol of God's approaching presence. 
So this strong driving wind came and filled the entire house where they were. So there was nothing that was not filled with the presence of this wind. Now, think about what a wind like that will do. It'll do two things if you're in an enclosed environment like that, where maybe the windows are open. Number one, it will come in and it will change the atmosphere inside the place where you are. It will clean things out. Uh, if you if you think about the thing, like uh, the the men that uh, um, and women who mow their yard and then they clean up afterwards with this blower, it blows all of the stuff out that does, it shouldn't be there, the trash. So that it it's a cleansing and a purifying thing, as well as a, a thing where it it refreshes the air that's there. So it filled the entire house, and there appeared on them tongues as of fire. Now think about this for a minute. Uh, what one of the uh, primary ways that people understood the presence of the Holy Spirit in someone that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues, the gift of being able to speak in other languages, and so it's talking and using the word tongues. It's it's talk. It's actually talking like the physical tongue inside the body. So it's it's an allusion to what is going to happen, and it says. There, there was a fire, but it came and it went on these, each of the individuals was there, parted and came to rest on each one of them. That's so important that, that you understand that concept of what, what was happening. The, the Holy Spirit came upon each and every one of them separately, but it was a communal thing that was happening. So the Spirit came to them individually to make them more into a body. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's think about this for just a second. Let's go back and look at a couple of things in the Old Testament. In, in Genesis 2, 7, we see that God shaped man from the soil of the ground and blew the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Now, that word that, that's used for wind here can also mean breath, it, and it can be, it's a, it's a force of life. So what we have in Genesis there is God is breathing his life into the clay that he formed to make Adam out of, and Adam became uh, a living being. The note in the Jerusalem t- Bible talks about this being manifested by the Spirit. The life comes through the life of the Spirit. Another example in the Old Testament that, that appeals to me, and maybe you've heard uh, it yourself in the past, in Ezekiel 37, the first 14 verses, God tells Ezekiel to go out into uh, this plain, to the, uh, the valley, I guess it actually is, and it's full of bones. And this is a vision that Ezekiel has, and God is speaking to him as to what he's supposed to do. And in this valley, there are all sorts of just dry bones, that apparently are bones of soldiers that have fought in the past. So you go, you've got that, and God says, prophesy over the bones. And the prophecy that he's supposed to say is, dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. The Lord Yahweh says to these bones, I am going to make breath enter you, and you will live, and I shall put sinews on you, and I shall make flesh grow on you, I shall cover you with skin and give you breath, and you will live and know that I am Yahweh. So God God told Ezekiel 
to prophesy to the breath of God, to the Spirit, to come and to give life to these dry bones. And it goes on in that particular thing. He prophesied as he was told, and then God told him again, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to the breath. This is ruach. This is, this is that same word for breath or, or wind. Say to the breath. The Lord Yahweh says this, come from the four winds, breathe, uh, four, come from the four winds breath, breathe on these dead so that they may come to life. So what you've had was that, first of all, the God brought the bones together when Ezekiel prophesied, and then he put flesh on the bones and covered them with skin, but they still weren't alive because they didn't have breath in them. They were not breathing human beings. And now God was telling Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath to come and fill them with life. And so that he does that and they come to life. And this is so much what the Spirit does to us when we allow the Spirit to come into our lives in a, in a way that, that we maybe haven't had in the past. Uh, we allow God to come and breathe new life into us. Uh, those of us who are, have been following the stuff with COVID-19, People that really get sick need respirators to help them to breathe, to add force wind into their lungs so that they can breathe. The Spirit wants to come into our lives and force a fresh, clean air into us that we may live in a way that we maybe have never lived before. And that's very important that we understand that. So they were these people in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. God breathed new life into them. And it's, what's the first thing that happened? And they began to speak in different tongues. So they started speaking different languages. And so why would this be? Well, because it was a Jewish feast that they were had at that point in time, there were people from all, Jews from all over the world who came to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem, just as a lot of people came from all over the world to speak, celebrate Passover in Jerusalem at the time that Jesus was, was crucified. So, God was using the Spirit here to do something so that he could preach to all of these people from all over the world. It says, now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem at this sound, the sound of the wind. Imagine that you, you heard a strong wind coming. Uh, it would probably get your attention. And at the sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each of them heard them speaking in his own language. So whatever the language is was of the place where these people were living in, God was allowing them to hear the words that the apostles, the disciples were preaching at that time in their own native language. Now, why is that important? I mean, there's another reason that that's important. If you go into uh, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, you have the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, at Babel, it, it says that... Uh, uh, I'm going to read you the note in the Jerusalem Bible from, from this particular thing, that uh, the builders who built the Tower of Babel were apparently seeking a means of meeting their God, but the Yahweh sees this pro their project as an act of insensate pride. So what, he's, what this is, note is saying is that the people were building a tower, and it says that in these, these verses, they were building a tower to God. And they were using bricks, uh, bricks and bitumen, I believe, which would be uh, like tar. 
And they were, it was human effort trying to reach God. And God turned, changed their languages so that they were confused. The word Babel, which from which we get Babylon, uh, is, means confusion. So God confused their language. This is the explanation for the differences of language among people. And so what we understand then is that God, the people, through their efforts at reaching God by their own way and means, brought confusion into their lives, and God changed the languages. So it's what we have here at the Feast of Pentecost is God reverses that project. God takes those things that separated people from each other linguistically and brings them back together. He can speak all the languages of the earth. The Spirit can. Through the Holy Spirit, God is speaking through the instruments of the apostles at the time of Pentecost, and he is allowing the people who were there from all over the world to hear in a language that is their native tongue. Now, they may have spoken Hebrew or Greek or whatever it is, but most of them, it was that was not their native tongue. And so God can overcome all the barriers that are between people, all the things that, that divide us through the power of the Spirit. Now, think about what would have happened if the apostles had decided, I really don't want this, that they had refused. And, and, there, and we don't know. There may have been some that really refused to do this because it didn't make any sense to them. But God has given them, the, the apostles, this, this ability to do what he wanted them to do. <clears throat> now, it says there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome. Okay, so what it's basically saying, if you look at this, if you look at the uh, where these people are from, uh, a, a lot of the people are from the area that we would currently call Turkey, uh, in, in the Mediterranean, where you would have... Uh, uh, Cretans. It talks about Cretans and Arabs. So it's the whole middle, the whole Mediterranean, uh, everything around the Mediterranean, and going as far as into what would be current Iraq and uh, Iran, and in, into the Arabian Peninsula. So what what he had, what he's basically saying is there were people there from all of the known world to the people of Palestine. So there were people from, it, it represents all of the people of the whole world. So what God is trying to do is to t- and do these divisions that have been among people by bringing his spirit to unify them and to hear the word of God. And so this is the basic thing that we have, that, that we are supposed to have with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, We've all when we were baptized, we received the Holy Spirit. When we were confirmed, we received the Holy Spirit. But do we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives every day? Do we allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to work in our lives the way that He wants to, rather than the way that we want our lives to turn out? And this can be very scary. It, the Holy Spirit can take your life in a direction that you really don't want to go uh, on your own because it's uncomfortable or you might experience persecution and ridicule as the apostles, the followers of Jesus did after they began preaching. So, or it could be take, 
change, be a total change of life for you as it was for many of them. So do you want the Holy Spirit in your life or not? It's, it's really up to you. Let's take a look at the gospel and we'll come back to the second reading. The gospel is one that we, I believe we had on Easter Sunday. Uh, and this is the, this is talking about when Jesus appeared to the apostles on Easter Sunday. It's from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Uh, you can find that yourself and read this. So the apostles that Easter Sunday evening, first Easter Sunday evening, were locked in this same upper room. They were in fear that they would be crucified as, as Jesus had been. And it says, you remember he came, the, it says on that the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. So the barrier, you can lock your heart, you can lock your life up all you want. You can put yourself in a position where you don't think anybody can get you, get to you. And yet Jesus can still come into your life at that time. So he stood in their midst. And the first thing he said to them is, peace be with you. Well, what does that mean? That, that, that is a, what, uh, the, the, that word peace there is, is a, uh, the, actually the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, uh, wishing well-being to you. Everything go well for you. And so what that means then is that Jesus is trying to ally their fears. And, you know, the peace that he gives, he told us in, in John, I believe it's John chapter 17, the, the, uh, or somewhere in John in the, in the discourse in the, uh, at the Last Supper, says, the, I give you peace, not the peace is the world that gives, but it's a peace that allows us to, to uh, be calm in regardless of the circumstances. Uh, we have a, a coffee mug which says something about peace is not that which is which without you, but that which is within you. So the peace is inside, and it doesn't depend upon external circumstances. So then he tried to prove, that Jesus tried to prove who he was because he showed him his hands and his sides, and they could see where he had been crucified. He, they could see his wounds. So the, the disciples decide this might actually be Jesus. And they says that they rejoiced when they saw him. And he said again, peace be with you. So peace means that you aren't overly despondent. It means that you aren't uh, going, I won't say rejoicing, but that you aren't overly exuberant, but that you stay, that it's okay to have feelings that are ne negative and feelings that are positive, but don't let them drive your life. So let that peace be with you. Now, here's what the, is, is important and the thing that we need to understand for ourselves. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. How Jesus has told us other places I do the will of my Father. It's not my will I do. I do the will of my Father. I came because my Father sent me. So Jesus is sending the apostles here, and by extension, he's really sending us so that when we are in living our lives, we are living them as Jesus wants us to, according to the will of, of Jesus. But then he says, and then he said to them, and he breathed on them, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, 
All right. So he's giving them the Holy Spirit here. So why did they need Pentecost? Well, maybe this, he didn't give them all of the Spirit here. He told them before that the advocate couldn't come until he ascended to the Father. So he's giving them the Spirit here, but he gave them the Spirit again on Pentecost Sunday, at first Pentecost Sunday. And it, based on what we see in the reading from the book of Acts, they must have received a lot more on Pentecost Sunday. It's 10 days after the ascent, uh, uh, after, uh, 10 days after the ascension, a lot more or 50 days, I mean 47 days after this event, uh, a lot more spirit than what they had received here. So, so what, what does that tell you? It tells us also then that it's a continual ongoing filling process of the Holy Spirit within us. We may be filled with the Holy Spirit, but our capacity for the Holy Spirit increases and our willingness to accept what the Spirit has to give us. Uh, you can, if you have a strong driving wind, you can either bottle it up or you can allow it to pass through. And in the sense that you have the windows on both sides of the house open when the wind comes, then what you, what you allow is a continual inflowing of, of the spirit, of the breath of God into your life. If you bottle it up, it will become stale. You need God's spirit to come to you continually to keep, continue to, to, uh, to renew your life, to refresh your life. You don't just take one breath and hold it in your lungs. You inhale and you exhale. So he's telling us to receive the Holy, the apostles to receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says something that's important to us as Catholics in that he is instituting the sacrament of, of reconciliation, confession. Uh, he says, who sins you shall forgive, who sins you forgive are forgiven them, who sins you retain are retained. So he's instituting that, but in another sense, he's telling us as everyday lay people that we are called upon to forgive and not to, to retain, but we're to express forgiveness for others as well. So this was a preparation for them for Pentecost, and it's a preparation for us for Pentecost. We need to remember that God is always wanting to be in our lives, to bring peace into our lives in a way that we cannot do it. But the, what, what Jesus was doing also in this process, in, in this gospel reading, and also through Pentecost, is he was enabling them to do what he told them to do in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. And look, I am with you always to the end of time. So even though Jesus ascended into heaven and he was not physically with his disciples after that point in time, just as though he is not physically with us today, he is with us always through the Holy Spirit. Now let's take a look at the uh, second reading. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, and it's uh, begins from 3 and goes through 13 and skips some verses in the middle. So what Paul is telling us here, and this is talking about the gifts. Remember last week we talked about the Catechism 1831 and 1832 where it talked about the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. This is going to talk about some of that again. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So any faith that you have, any expression of faith that you have in your own life 
is an expression of the Spirit in your life saying that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You can't say that on your, you can, you can say it, but you can't say it and mean it. And then the thing that's so interesting here with the next three or four lines in 1 Corinthians 12 is it talks about different and same. So there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, this is the Spirit of God. So different spiritual gifts. And the gifts, remember, are expressed in uh, Catechism 18.31 and Isaiah 11.1, I believe it's 11 or, no, it's Isaiah 11.2. And he says there are different forms of service, but the same Lord. So that service is is the same word from which we get the word deacon. So it's the, and as Father Richard Simon typically says, table waiter. So there are different ways, there are different gifts that we get from God, but the same spirit different forms of service, different forms of serving other people, but the same Lord. And that Lord, word Lord, when it's used in the New Testament like that, means Jesus. There's the same Son. And there are different workings, different workings, different ways that God works, but the same God. So that would be the Father. So you've got the, the Trinity here. And so he's saying that although we there are different expressions in life of what happens and what can go on, it's the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are behind them all. And it says, the God who produces them all. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. So what, what the Spirit gives us is not for our benefit, for, but for the benefit of the people that are around us. And then it's, it's so important that we understand the last few verses here. It says, as a body is one, though it has many parts, all the parts of the body, though many are one body. We are all different. We all serve a different function in the body of Christ. But whether we are a hand or an eye or a foot or whatever it is in the body, we are serving a particular purpose. And all of us together make up the body. So it's, then he goes on to say, for it is in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. And it makes no difference whether Greek or Jew, slave or free person. It doesn't make any difference what your nationality is. It doesn't no matter what your social and economic position is. It's all given to us by the one spirit. And that makes us one. I thank you so much for uh, being with me today. Uh, you can look at the readings for the Sunday. There are links on the uh anchor.fm page for this, as well as a link to the blog of uh, some of my thoughts on this particular thing. Hope you have a great week, and we will be looking forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you.